0: All right how's everybody feeling all right if you have your Bibles please turn to first Samuel chapter 17 first first Samuel 17 or borrow with a neighbor that does all right let's look at first Samuel chapter 17 verses 24 through 49. You know, the Lord is going to open up the doors of North Korea, and he will do it quickly. He will hasten the day of the doors opening up. I mean, it's going to happen so quickly, it's going to take a lot of people by surprise. Uh, It's going to be happening, and it's going to happen in such a way people are not going to believe that it's happening. Um. Eventually, all the economic, political, various structures will be reunited into one. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll see the the evidence that God is preparing all things for the full reunification of this land. And uh, he's going to do it in such a way in which he's going to really prepare people for himself. He's going to really prepare a church for himself, a church here in Korea. You know, the South Korean church is, is uh, has a wonderful history and rich his- history in which... We, are very, uh, we show a lot of honor and respect and love toward. Uh, but also, you know, the South Korean church uh, is overrun by a religious spirit. It's, it's got a very strong religious spirit in, in the, South, the South Korean church. But what God is about to do uh, in North Korea and through this reunification process, you know, that religious spirit is going to be completely just lifted off and there's going to be a church that's going to move in freedom, a church that's going to be filled with the spirit of God. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? Amen. And this church that we're going to see rise up at this hour, man. It's going to be so amazing. And the cool thing is, you know what, what was cool? was As I was listening to what our Emmaus alumni share about how good the North Koreans' English was, you know what that gave me so much hope? Is When we plant our new Philly church in Pyongyang, it's going to blow up. All these North Koreans gonna come in with these perfect English, and they're gonna sing songs in perfect pronunciation, okay? And they're gonna understand my uh, my urban humor and all that stuff. All right, they're gonna understand my sermons because there's gonna be there's a whole remnant of people there that, that understand English real fluently. Hallelujah! That just made me so excited and happy because I knew I knew God had a plan somehow for our church because we're gonna start an English ministry when we do a church plan. Where it's not. We, maybe we'll go bilingual in the later, later future, but I ain't interested in that right now. I'm interested in doing church plans for English ministries in a foreign land, all right? And so that's what we're going to do. And I'm telling you, Pyongyang ain't 10 years away. I mean, we if doors are open and there's opportunities, I'm going to go in. You know, John Michael and I, we're going to go in and we're going to scope it out. And, we'll, and we're, gonna, we're gonna get God's going to give us favor for some kind of nice facility. And the next thing you know, we're going to be having church up in Pyongyang. Y'all gonna be y'all gonna be flying in, eventually driving in, or taking the KTX out there. It ain't that far from Seoul if you think about it. It's really not. It's closer than Gwangju is probably. And there's people that sometimes drive up from Gwangju to to come to our service or from Chunju or whatever further apart. But hallelujah, and uh, God gave me so much hope. God, God knows what He's doing. First Samuel chapter seventeen, verse twenty-four. Uh, this. Sermon is called Voices Opposing Your Destiny. Vo- voices that oppose your destiny. Let's go with that one. Flows better. Voices that oppose your destiny. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, talking about Goliath, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? I mean, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him in the same way. This and this and this. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Look at verse 28. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, his hyung, his kynhyung, heard when, he spoke, when David spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said... Quote, why have you come down and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. All right, let's stop there. The first voice that opposes your destiny is often called the voice of familiarity. Familiarity. The voice of familiarity. Familiarity. Okay. And uh, as you can see, David's kun his oldest brother, saying uh, these very um, angry statements, you know. Uh, You start to wonder, maybe he had a dysfunctional relationship with David. You know, why is he so angry? Was this true of David? I mean, was David filled with presumption and he had just look for opportunities to leave the sheep in the wilderness and come and watch the battle so you can see, you know, the, the people fighting in war. Is that true of David? And we know from the scriptures that that was not true of David. I mean, Aelieb was just burning with anger and it was the voice of familiarity that was opposing David and his destiny here. Now, you may have heard something similar to you. Being spoken, Lydia, why are you fasting? (laughs) And for so how many days again? No, I need give me the phone number of your pastor right now. (laughs) Why are you fasting? Why are you um, going to Indonesia? What do you think you're gonna you're gonna go and change the world? Why are you going to China? You can't even speak Chinese. Who do you think you are? You you really think you can make a difference? And we may have heard these voices speaking to us. What are you doing with your education? You went to NYU Stern. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your career? You're not going anywhere. You've been doing the same Hagwon teaching job for the last eight years. Get a life. Do something with yourself. Or every time you go down for Chusok <laughs> or Solar, you know, your family's constantly nagging you. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Brothers and sisters, this is nothing but the voice of familiarity. Okay? And these that voice, the voice of familiarity, it comes to oppose your destiny. You see, what David was about to enter into, All right, he was about to go from tending sheep to becoming one of the top leaders of Israel's army. And almost overnight, it was about to happen. Okay. And it was going to happen through him encountering this giant called Goliath and, and fighting him and winning and destroying him in battle. Okay. But the voice of familiarity... You see, they, they try to stop you from even going out to fight. In fact, they, they try to accuse you with condemnation that your motives are all wrong. You know, like, you know, like when the familiar voices speak to you, whether it's your friends or whether it's your family. They don't just say things like, you know, why are you fasting? They're, they're like, you're probably fasting for all the wrong reasons. And then they start to really get at your heart. And it makes some people, it makes you even doubt yourself. Like maybe I am doing this for the wrong reasons. Maybe I really shouldn't go on missions this time. Maybe I should just quit and go back to Canada. (laughs) But this this is the voice of familiarity. You know, the son of God dealt with the voice of familiarity. You know, when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth, up until this point, he is going to town to town, seeing all these miracles, signs, and wonders. And his disciples are with him. They're expecting the same thing. And then he gets to his hometown. And like nothing, virtually nothing takes place. So different people have different reasons for why not that much happened in his hometown but some people say the reason why nobody got not that many people got healed in nazareth is because the naz people of nazareth they they knew who jesus was so not many of them wanted to go to jesus for prayer cuz guess what jesus was the carpenter he knew how to help you build rebuild your roof or go fix a table but healing the sick Casting out demons, preaching and teaching the word of God? No way, I'm not even going to waste my time. And Jesus dealt with the voice of familiarity. You know, even his, his own family members, his brothers, you know, Jesus had brothers. I guess they weren't really brothers, they were like half-brothers, but you know, they're brothers still, right? He has siblings, even his mama, right? They were like, Jesus, what you doing? just shut up, just come come on, come on home. You know, I don't know what you're doing over there. I don't know what you're trying to do over there, but you need to just come home, right? And Jesus said something interesting. He said, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Why? Because it is in your hometown that the voice of familiarity is the loudest. And when that voice is that loud, it starts to get to you, no matter, even if you are the son of God. And that's why sometimes God will call you out Of your hometown. And it's going to be a very good thing. He takes you out of that familiar environment. In order for you to come into the fullness of who he has made you to be. Because as long as sometimes you are in Philadelphia. You will still be the same 12 year old suck young Christian Lee that everybody else knows in the neighborhood. In Philadelphia, everybody still expects you to curse everybody still expects you to to uh to, to lose your cool whenever somebody steps up to you all right when in your hometown that's what everyone expects. but in New Philadelphia, you come into the fullness of who you are why it 's because the voice of familiarity is not is not. Sometimes not even anywhere to be heard when you go to a new city, when you go to a new environment that God sends you. Now, does that mean that there's no hope for people to be called to their hometown? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, some people do get that calling to, to minister in their hometown. But what I am saying is the voice of familiarity is often opposing us, even without them intending to do that. Your family members, they don't want to oppose your destiny. They, they, in fact, they think they're helping you get to your destiny by telling you to hurry up and stop this pastoral junk and go use your business degree for something really useful. Go and make some more money and, and bless your family. You know? They think they're helping you to get you to your destiny. They don't think, they don't think their motives are bad. And therefore, they'll say it with even more passion. But brothers and sisters, we need to be discerning. If we discern that that is a voice of familiarity opposing your destiny... You got to do what David did. Look at what David did. Look at what David did. Look at verse 29. Okay. Notice what David did. David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? Uh, In other words, keep your answers short. All right. When you answer the voice of familiarity, you don't really want to answer the voice of familiarity. You just want to keep your answer short. Okay, you know, some people, when the voice of familiarity starts to oppose their destiny, you know what they do? They go, oh, I gotta, I'm determined, I have to convince all my family members, and I have to convince them now about what God is doing in my life. But check this out. Sometimes God designs it so that you feel like you're going crazy, and you're the only one convinced among all your family members, and all your family members They all are in agreement that you're crazy and that you're doing something that's completely off. Sometimes God designs it that way so that your sense of call is strengthened through that process. Because He can easily turn their hearts around. But you see, if He, if He makes it all complacent and easy for you with all the support structures around you, guess what? Your, the path in which you came into your call is so easy that when the, when the call actually gets hard, you're gonna wanna abandon the call. But you see, the process by which you enter that call, if it is very difficult, when your call actually, the difficult parts of your call actually starts to come, you're going to be like, oh, this ain't nothing. I remember how I even got to this call. I had to walk through some stuff. I can walk through some stuff again. And so we got to understand that it is not our responsibility to convince your family members About the call of God on your life. And to convince them now. Okay. So keep your answer short. When the voice of familiarity opposes you. And check this out. look Look what David did next. Verse 30. And then he turned away from him toward another. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. This is a prophetic insight right here. He turned away from him toward another. Well, that's what you got to do. Sometimes when the voice of familiarity starts to really oppose you, you just got to like be graceful, give a short answer, and then you just got to turn away from those people that are opposing you so strongly. Sometimes it's best maybe not to call them as often as you might. Not to reply back to every email that they send you. Just kind of turn away from them and look to those who are actually listening to you. Because guess what? In the eyes of all these other people that were part of the Israel army, they were willing to talk to David and they were willing to listen to David. Now, I don't know if they were just getting a big joke out of it. Oh, look at this little kid. Look what he's saying, man. He's so cute. (laughs) What are you going to do? You're going to go and kill the giant and cut off his head. All right, yo, 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 homie, check, check out what he's saying. I don't know what was really going on behind the motives of why they were open to listening to him. But look, they were open to listening to him. And so David turned away from his eldest brother and he looked to one that would listen. But sister, sometimes you don't want to stay at a place where you're tolerated, you want to go to a place where you're celebrated. And it, and the voice of familiarity is opposing you, seeking to delay you from your destiny. The best thing to do is just to turn from that voice and look to one that will listen to you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to the second. Let's go to the second voice. Look at um, verse 33. Okay, For, uh, From verse 31 to 32, pretty much, David speaks these words with determination. I'm going to kill this Goliath. I'm going to kill this giant. And this word gets to the head of the army, King Saul. King Saul brings him in. Uh, uh, let's read from verse 32. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Verse 33. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Look at you, man. You're just, you're just but a youth. He has been a man of war since from his youth. Okay, so what's verse 33? Well, the next voice that opposes your destiny is the voice of discouragement. The voice of discouragement. You can't do miracles. You can't become a doctor. You, you can't become an actress, singer. Don't even try. Don't even try. The competition is too fierce. You know, reality is quite rough. You're living in dreamland. You need to wake up. Look how young you are. What, What are you thinking trying to go up against Goliath? It's the voice of discouragement. The voice of discouragement also has a different name. It often comes at us as the voice of reason. Come on, let's be reasonable here, hey (laughs) one. Let's face the facts. Let's smell the coffee. Let's talk reality. It's the voice of discouragement disguising itself as the voice of reason. Now think about it this way, all right? The nature of God's call on our lives defies all reason and logic. Amen? Amen? I mean, it's just the nature of his call. If it comes from God, it's not going to be reasonable. Because if it's reasonable, it's probably not from God. Because guess what? You can probably accomplish it without God. But every call that God gives you, you cannot accomplish unless you have God really close to you. Unless the supernatural, the miraculous dimension is there. That call is probably something man has made up or you've made up in your own mind. But I'll tell you right now, every call that comes from God... Defies all logic and reason. So, guess what? When you start taking steps toward that call, it's a normal thing for people to come at you with the voice of reason. But check this out your reasoning is on a, it's gotta be on a higher plane than their natural reasoning. See, earthly reasoning is here, but you see, kingdom reasoning is just way higher. And you got to keep your head here if you're going to be staying true to your calling and destiny. Because guess what? The more you step into his call, the more and crazier and unreasonable it's going to get. The voice of discouragement. Look at you. You don't have a seminary degree. Look at you, your, your family's divorced. You're not even from the right family. You're too short. You're not, you're not even, you're, you're half Korean. You're not even Korean. I mean, <laughs> you're a girl. What, what what do you want to do? You want to have a big teaching ministry? You want to travel the world and teach and preach and minister in different churches? Well, you're a girl. What are you going to do about it? And it's and it's this discouragement that just comes. And they, and and it and it tries to def, it tries to diffuse the destiny before it ever really gets blown up. Before it ever ever really gets started, you know? It's like trying to turn the ignition to a car. If you just get that ignition going and you start putting the car into gear, you're going to go somewhere. But what Satan does is he tries to get you to not even start up the car. So he'll discourage you. He'll discourage you. You're going to run out of gas. You're going to get a flat tire. You're going to get into an accident. Gonna hit a drunk Korean odyssey, right? And then it causes you not to even take those steps. So here, first David faces the voice of familiarity. He overcomes that. Next, he gets caught into the king. How exciting! He gets caught into the king, and he's hoping the king would just say, "I like your spirit, young man. Go for it." You know, he's hoping to hear something positive from the king. Why would the king even want to see him? You know. He gets before the king, and guess what? The king comes at him with a different voice that opposes his destiny. as the voice of discouragement. Now, check this out. Look how David overcame the voice of discouragement. Look at verse 33. I'm sorry, verse 34. David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and I struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. <laughs> it means it happened more than one occasion. You know, and if they turned, they didn't always turn toward him. But if they did, they were dead. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear would deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. The way that David overcame the voice of discouragement was he used the power of the testimony. He used the power of the testimony. You see, David had been developing a history with the Lord. Like, he didn't get to this day overnight. He had been slowly nurturing a history with the Lord as a young shepherd boy taking care of his father's sheep. And in that history, that history has supernatural testimonies, filling left and right. I mean, he killed lions... And bears. I mean, if it happened once to both animal, you might still be like, ah, oh, maybe you got lucky. Maybe that was a sick lion. <laughs> maybe the bear was uh, limping or choking or something. <laughs> you got lucky. But if it happened more than once, I mean, come on, you got to know that that's God. You got to know that that's God. And uh, see, David, he didn't kill the lion and the bear because he was really, really strong and. He knew the pressure points of the animal and knew where to hit it and stuff. Okay, David killed the lion and the bear is because the anointing of the Holy Spirit was on David. See, when he was a young man, Prophet Samuel came to his hometown in Bethlehem and anointed him as king. And the Bible says when Samuel anointed David as king, from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David with power. Now, check this out. The previous king, the first king of Israel, the same thing happened to him. Samuel anoints him as the king, and the spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul with power. But here's the difference between Saul and David. David developed a history with the Lord, Saul didn't. Saul had an experience. He went to a retreat. He went to a conference. He got shook up. He fell on the ground, got slain in the spirit, got all oh, hit with the power and the fire of God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got tongues and everything. But he went home and did nothing with it. Well, you see, David, he learned how to walk in the anointing. He didn't just receive the anointing. He learned how to steward the anointing. He developed a history with the Lord because he stewarded the anointing. There were plenty of testimonies of supernatural occurrences all throughout his years. And so in this time, in this very crucial time, he was able to use the power of his testimony to silence the voice of discouragement. Because you notice Saul doesn't come at him and be like, "Hey, hey, whatever, kid, you're still a kid. I mean, he doesn't, it silences him. Guess what, the, what one sentence saw is like, you're a kid, you can't do this. Next sentence after hearing the testimony, he's like, go, the Lord be with you. <laughs> I mean, what a dramatic turnaround, what a dramatic change. Right? That's the power of the testimony. I mean, testimonies are powerful. And they help us overcome the voice of discouragement. If you can even read about, memorize, and regularly refer and recite testimonies of men and women of God that you didn't even know, if you can just read about them and memorize them and refer to them, that's powerful right there. Let's say you're still young in your faith. You're still young to all the supernatural charismatic movement stuff. You don't, you have not seen healings break out yet. Okay? I mean, I personally, I've seen people getting healed. Okay? But I have really yet to see a healing that will make me go, wow! Okay? I wanna see healings to that intensity. And one healing that I'm particularly like pressing in for is I want to see the lame walk. You know why? Because when I went on mission trips the last three times, winter, summer, and winter, when I went, each of those trips I had an opportunity to pray for somebody that was lame. Either they were on a wheelchair, they couldn't walk at all, or it was a baby. baby that was six years old, seven years old, had meningitis. The baby's legs were all crooked. And I pray for the baby with all my heart, all my passion. Had other team members pray for the baby. And each time we, we try to get the baby to walk, it broke my heart to watch that baby not be able to walk. It broke my heart to see that cancer patient stuck in the wheelchair, full of so much optimism, full of so much hope. And I pray for her, pray for her 40 minutes, ain't nothing happened. Okay. When, when you start to step out in your faith and pray for people like that, and you get those experiences under your belt, it, it can do one of two things to you. It can make you conclude, oh, God just doesn't really heal like that. Maybe he heals like that through certain ministers, evangelists, but he doesn't heal like that through me. And you can conclude a doctrine where God doesn't heal, or it can make you have this holy frustration where you long for the day when you will finally see it. Even if it takes you 200 more people that you have to pray for and you deal with that disappointment, but on the 201st time you hope for, you have a holy frustration, you will see the lame walk. So I got a holy frustration rising inside of me. And it's very specific. I want to see the lame walk. I want to see the lame walk. But for now... I don't have any testimonies like that. I can't go up to a lame person and be like, Hey, I prayed for somebody last year and they walked. So you need some prayer from me? Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> I can't do that. I don't have that. That's not my testimony. I don't have that yet. But I can refer to... There was a gentleman named Smith Wigglesworth. He laid hands on lame people and they walked. walk. They would walk. Not only walk, they would get up. Out, they, would, they would run around the sanctuary. They would jump up and down in joy. John G. Lake. He prayed for people. Power of God will come upon their body, they will shake for a minute or two. And then they will walk. I know God still does it, ma'am. I know God still does it, sir. So will you allow me to come in agreement with heaven and let me just pray for you? So that you can walk. Let's just go for it. Let's go for it. And I know people are hearing me right now. I know people are hearing me. And I know you're going to put this to you. Some of you are going to apply this right away. Okay, And it's very important that you guys read the history of revival. You guys read about these men and women of God that did experience healing. That did see healing on a regular and intense manner. You got to read about Catherine Coleman. You got to read about Benny Hinn. As much as you might hear criticisms about this guy for financial whatever, okay? Benny Hinn has seen incredible miracles all over the world. He can pack out stadiums of tens of thousands of people. Read about Reinhard Bonnke. He gets people saved by the millions. I mean, we're not talking thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. We're talking millions. He gets people saved by the millions. And a lot of miracles take place at his African crusade, crusades. And he's not even African. He's a... Uh, what is he? German? Belgium? Reiner Bonkey, I forget. I mean, he's from some country in Europe. He's a white guy. In a sea of black people. It's amazing. Alright. Power of a testimony. We got to learn how to tap into the power of a testimony. And so if you don't got personal history with the Lord yet, then refer to somebody else's testimony. And use that to silence the voice of discouragement. If you're, even if you're a spiritual leader... You want to honor them, you want to submit to them. But if your spiritual leader says, Hey, why why are you going out on the streets and praying for the sick? Hey, why, why stop all this embarrassment? Hey, just just hey, look, God, God does that sometimes, but I don't know if he'll be doing that through you regularly. So you know, just just ease back, alright? Just take take it easy. Okay, if the voice of discouragement comes that way, alright, refer to a testimony. Use the power of a testimony and silence the voice of discouragement. Because guess what that voice of discouragement all it's doing is trying to keep you from the destiny. And guess what? You can let it, or you can disallow it. See, David here, he disallowed the voice of discouragement from keeping him from his destiny. You know, um, right now, as uh, as the pastor of New Philly here, I get incredibly large prophecies about my personal ministry and regarding this church. I mean, these prophecies are not like, God's going to use you and uh, you're going to see these amazing things here and there and you're going to plant churches here and there. I mean, it's like God's going to use you like this and like that and like this. He's going to touch all the nations. I'm like, what? It's so, it's so big, it's hard to get my mind around it. And guess what? When I start to really take this before the Lord and I start talking about this to certain people that I trust, those people that I, I trust, you know, they come at me just like King Saul. They they start speaking voice of discouragement, and they're just trying to help me out. You know, they're they're just bringing the voice of reason. They don't want me to. They don't want to set me up for disappointment and disillusionment. You know, so they just they just they just speak it out. But look, it's it's discouragement. It's discouragement, and I and I have to learn to refer to testimonies of men and women of God who have completed impossible supernatural accomplishments and i need to continue to refer to them because that is the power that is the power of the testimony that i need to get to my destiny you know i've been listening to mike bickle his encountering jesus uh cd mp3 cd set and he gives 10 sessions 10 hour and 30 minutes you think i speak long go go see mike bickle okay <laughs> i've created a culture here anyway of long sermons praise the lord that I mean, I mean, our attendance could be, I think, a lot higher if I keep my sermons to like 30 minutes, 35 minutes. But look, hallelujah, the people that have stayed, y'all are hungry. Y'all are about the real deal. Anyway, um, I've been listening to Mike Bickle this way. And he's just sharing his testimony of how IHOP started. How all these prophecies, these incredible prophecies Bob Jones made. And Paul Kane made. And all these different people made. And there were signs in the uh, heavens. Like, there was a comment that passed by. Like, Bob Jones said... You know, uh, the Lord is calling you to do a 21-day fast. The Lord is uh, going to raise up a revival. He's going he's gonna to establish a house of prayer, all these things. And the sign to you will be, there will be a comet that will go through the sky, undetected by science, scientists. And it's going to happen on this and this day. And then guess what? The comet appears. Newspaper article. Somebody brings it. All right? And Mike Biggles is floored by all this. All right? And so I'm listening to all these testimonies. And I realized that Mike Bickle and IHOP, they had a day of small beginnings. They didn't get huge and blown up overnight. And guess what? We need to learn to cherish the day of small beginnings. Because in this day of small beginnings, this is where we learn true humility. You're not going to learn humility when you experience all the success and the fame and, and being called out to Oh, Myung-wa, Pastor Myunghwa, please come speak for us here in London. Oh, Pastor Myunghwa, please speak for us in Singapore. Oh, Pastor Myunghwa, please speak for us in Alaska. And maybe I'm mean being prophetic right now, I don't know. But uh, come speak for us. Okay? Like, when Myunghwa is answering the phone, that is not the day which she will learn humility. She better have learned humility beforehand. Because when she's getting calls like that, she's going to be like, who are you? You know, I've got a very busy schedule. How much honorarium y'all give? Uh, five-star hotel, only the best, please. Thank you very much. All right. Now click. All right. No. Uh, we got to learn humility in the day of small beginnings. All right. Uh, but in the day of small beginnings, the hard part is dealing with the voice of discouragement. Okay. Let's go to the third one. Look at verse 44. Okay. So Saul sends David out to the field to fight Goliath. David gets there. Check this out. Let's read from um, verse 43. The Philistine said to David, (laughs) Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? (laughs) Bleeping, bleeper, bleeper. Like, Like curse words. He was saying curse words. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. (laughs) Verse 44. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Okay, The third voice that opposes your destiny is the voice of intimidation. I mean, when you start getting closer and closer to your destiny... Guess what? Satan starts to panic and then Satan starts to really get explicit and he comes at you with the voice of intimidation. And uh, anytime you feel fear and intimidation in this way, all right, it's not coming from God. I tell you that right now. God does not give you a spirit of fear, spirit of power, loving of sound mind, right? God don't give you that spirit of fear. So if your boss is like, look, you go on that mission trip, I'll cut you. I'll cut your pay. I'll fire you. Okay, sometimes sometimes that's not like, oh, that's reasonable. That's like, whoa, that's intimidating. You know? Or your family may may start to intimidate you. Say, you marry that guy, we'll disown you. You marry that pastor, we'll never talk to you again. But your destiny is to marry Christian Lee. To come into the fullness of the promised land. But there's that that voice of intimidation. That voice of intimidation. Right? Goliath was saying, if you fight me, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. You ain't nothing. (laughs) I'll kill you. In fact, let me... Let me, let, me, let me tell you what I'm going to do to you after I kill you. I'm going to give your body be food for the birds of the air. I mean, I mean, it's, it's intimidation. I mean, why do you have to go into all that detail, you know? <laughs> Try to intimidate him. Now, um, but intimidation, man, Satan will come against you, especially the closer you get to your destiny he'll just start showing up like what did i tell you right day 21 of the fast right we had this powerful prayer meeting on the evening of day 21 monday night with an awesome powerful prayer meeting man i really feel bad for you for those who missed it because it was such a powerful prayer meeting it really was you just had to be there but on the morning of day 21 i couldn't sleep i couldn't sleep because the lord was spirits on me and i started to pray and i started looking over the prophecies of North Korea and I started praying over these things and as I started praying I, I, I could feel the Holy Spirit just kind of releasing me and just alright you can go to sleep now and I, so I started I start dozing off and I started laying down I started going to sleep and as I went to sleep all of a sudden I woke back up and then the light the light was on in the middle of the room it started to flash like a strobe light but it, as it was flashing it was like the mosquito net you put on the window, it was like a, a filter of that mosquito net was like over the light. I don't know. It's that that kind of feeling. It was like like a strobe light. And I could feel the presence of an evil spirit in the room. And so I knew right away it was a kawi. Kawi is uh, an experience we get where you have sleep paralysis and you can't move, but you're fully awake that there's a demon trying to uh, physically oppress your chest. Anyway, I knew it was a Kawi. And so I start immediately, I start coming with full force and just using these, these big spiritual language. And just be like, say you get your hands off me right now, I'll beat you up. I will kick you in your face. Little pump, get your hands off. And I started like coming on them with that kind of attitude. And, and, and this spirit was, this evil spirit was getting closer to my face. And you know, I don't want no demon kissing me, right? I, it was making me upset. But it was getting closer right here. It was like right on my face like this. Right. And so I was like, All right, well, if, if you if I can't if I can't command my way out, I'll praise my way out. So I just started singing. I exalt thee. I exalt. Is it gone? No, it was still there. Lights, I could feel fear. It's weird. It was like I didn't agree with it in my mind, but I could feel the fear running down my body. And I start to reject it. I'll reject it. it will kind of go back up. And I'll start to come, try to overwhelm my body. I start rejecting it. And I say, all right, wait a minute. If I'm going to sing, i got to focus on Jesus. Because, you know, sometimes we sing and we don't focus on the object to whom we are singing. A lot of times we'll just sing the songs. And sometimes it could be good, like spiritually, like something moving and you just kind of get lost in it. But a lot of times when you've got to initiate the praise, you've got to start by focusing on Jesus. You've got to focus on the Lord. So I started like just imagining Jesus before me. I just started saying, I exalt thee. I sang that about four times. I exalt thee. And all of a sudden, and I woke up instantly. And the room was just still, peace. And that demon was gone. I knew through that, and I don't get Kawi often, I usually will get it on the missions field. When I go to a territory that I haven't gotten proper covering for, or proper prayer for, you know, I've gotten copy attacks. But not really. I I want to count maybe like five in my lifetime. Very few. But I knew at the end of this 21-day fast, Satan was so upset. he He just was so panicking. He did whatever. He knew it wouldn't work, but he just tried to intimidate me. That's what Satan does, man. The closer you get to your destiny... He'll just start to intimidate you. And and says, this is the hour in which you need to stand against the devil. The Bible says stand against the devil. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Stand against him. Don't back down. Don't go back on your decisions. You need to stand on that hour. All right, so here's how you overcome the intimidation. This is what David did. Look at verse uh, 45. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Check this out. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Does kind of sound familiar. David probably just learned that kind of language just by hearing it right there. (laughs) That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Amen. The way that David overcame the voice of intimidation. He did it by decree and declaration. He did it by decree and declaration. It wasn't wishful thinking. It was faith in his heart and out of the overflow of his heart confessing that faith. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, God, you know, Jesus died and you, uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? Even when you're salvation, you need to confess something out of the overflow of the faith that is in your heart. All right. Well here, if you want to defeat the voice of intimidation, you got to get faith down inside of here and then you got to decree and declare out there. This is not wishful thinking. This is not just like, you know, name it and claim it kind of doctrine. Okay, I mean there is a true application of this principle of decreeing and declaring the word of the Lord. You know, there's no indication that David got some prophetic word of knowledge. You know? That in that moment, as he's going out, the Lord is giving him a word of knowledge. You will give his body to the birds of the air. You will strike him down with the stone. Do not be afraid. Like, there is no indication he got a prophetic word. He just stepped out there to fight, and then he made a decree and declaration against the voice of intimidation. He decreed and declared that which he wanted to see. Job chapter 22, verse 28 It says, you shall decree a thing and it shall be established. Let me talk to you something about decrees. If you look in the book of Daniel, you look in the book of uh, Jonah, you look in the book of Esther, you can see the power of a king's decree. Even a secular, pagan king, you can see the power of a king's decree. Because when the king makes a decree in Esther, guess what? The Jews were this close to getting eradicated, genocide because of the decree of a king. And it was the decree of a king through the favor that Esther had on her life that that king instead overturned the decree with another decree. Jonah, right? Jonah comes and he he prophesies to Nineveh, proclaims repentance there. And guess what? It's the decree of a king that calls a citywide fast. And it saves Nineveh from destruction. There is power in A decree. You can see it among non-believers all the time. I just want to point this out. Isaiah 10 verse 1 says, Woe to those who make unjust laws. Woe to those who issue oppressive decrees. When Kim Il-sung, 60 years ago, he got to take over North Korea... He made a decree, I am the father of all the people of Korea. He made a decree, we will invade the South and become one. And guess what? This wicked man made a decree and it resulted in a bloody war. It resulted in 60 years of idolatry and oppression for people of North Korea. I mean... Woe. God says woe to those who make unjust decrees. Um, But the, the fact of the matter is, a decree is very powerful. Whether you are wicked or whether you are righteous. But check this out. If an oppressive decree can be made on the earth and it lasts for 60 years, be sure of this. A decree and declare of freedom. A decree and declare of healing. A decree and declare of deliverance can also be made over cities and nations and over entire peoples. Do you understand the word of the Lord that's being spoken to you tonight? Yeah. Because even in our prayer movement, we still fail to understand the power of a decree. We think that we're just using Christian jargon, intercessory jargon, and you don't really believe it. But I'll tell you right now, you need to shift your perspective. Because there is power in the decree of God's people. Dr. Cindy Trim has some powerful decree and declare prayers that she teaches in her book, Rules of Engagement. I'll read some of them right now. I reverse the effect of any stigmas and I declare that divine favor, grace, honor and well wishes now replace any and all negative feelings, perceptions and thoughts concerning myself, my family and the work and ministry that I'm called to accomplish. I reverse the effect of stigmas, slander, gossip. I reverse the effects. Most of the times you hear slander or gossip, you're like, I can't do anything about it. (laughs) I can't do anything about it. Okay. Well, look, you decree it, you declare it, and you you decree and declare that favor replaces, the honor replaces all those slander, God will do it for you. You'll start to see people go out of the way to bless you. Here's another one. I decree and declare. That no intrinsic or extrinsic weapon, be it emotional, financial, social, physical, psychological, interpersonal, spiritual, or organizational formed against me shall prosper. No one of these weapons, I decree and declare, none of them will prosper. That's good stuff. Because sometimes if it ain't coming physically, it comes interpersonally. If it doesn't come interpersonally, Satan brings it organizationally. It's good to be aware of all these different attacks. There's another one. I decree and declare that I am healed and spirit-filled. Sickness and disease are far from my body. And you know what? You can make that decree even when you're sick. Even when you when it's not true of you. You're like sick with cancer. You're sick with some disease. You can say, I decree and declare I'm healed and spirit-filled. Sickness and disease are far from my body. Somebody who hears that prayer will say, you're crazy. You're living la-la land. Because that's not true. Okay, but check this out. You tell them, look... You might think I'm living in la la land. La. I'm living in the land of faith, all right. And I'm going to continue to declare this until I see it come to pass. I'm not going to. I'm not going to stoop my experience. I'm not going to uh, bring the word of God down to my level of experience. I'm going to push until my experience comes up to the level of God's word. Or I decree and declare that the eyes of my spirit function with 2020 vision for correct understanding and interpretation of divine movements. I am, in correct, I, am a t- I am in tune and connected to the correct frequency of the Holy Spirit. And I have clear transmission. When you make these decrees, you make these kinds of declarations, it affects things in the heavens. It affects the spirit realm, which in turn you see happen in the natural realm. But whenever a voice of intimidation comes against you, brothers and sisters, you overcome those voices. that are trying to keep you from destiny. You overcome it. By decreeing and declaring the word of God. By decreeing and declaring life over yourself and over your family members. And so I covered three voices that try to keep us from our destiny. The voice of familiarity, the voice of discouragement, and the voice of intimidation. Brothers and sisters, if all you do is just silence voices, you will be confused. There will be confusion in your spiritual walk. So let me give you... And I'll end with this. For every voice of discouragement, intimidation, and familiarity that you overcome, okay, you need to tune your ear to the voice of the Lord. Because the more you are in obedience and walking and in tune with the voice of the Lord the less these other voices will even have an audience with you in your head. The time period in which you struggle with that voice of discouragement will become shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter because the voice of the Lord is so loud in your life. That's where we need to live. We need to live in a place where we know how to connect with the voice of the Lord. Because the voice of the Lord is the voice of hope, the voice of life, the voice of promise. The voice of love. The voice of affirmation. The voice that says, you can do it. You will do it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Right now, the the prayer team is going to come up. They're going to lead us through uh, time of intercession to close the prayer meeting.